All right, folks, welcome back to the Cardboard Herald. My name is Luke Minch. I know, weird having someone other than Jack do one of these, but I am here with uh, Marshall Britt, and we are going to be talking about some very exciting stuff. How are you doing, Marshall? Uh, good. How are you doing, Luke? That's another day. Can't complain too much. It's It's been kind of slow on my end. The opposite of what your life has been recently. Uh, <laughs> coming back from, what was it, PAX East last weekend, is that right? Uh, yeah, coming back from PAX East last weekend, um, and before that, being in the middle of the uh, Root Underworld campaign oh, yeah. uh, here here at work, uh, and prepping for the Bloom uh, campaign with the guys from Yanaguana Games. Uh, yeah, it's been, and, and finishing record from, for Yanaguana Games as well, getting the last bit of stuff done with that. So it's been, uh, needless to say, busy, very busy. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, how was PAX East this year? Uh, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun. It's four days, which is a long show. Uh, I, that, that is, that is such uh, a draining event. Uh, I didn't really realize it until I got home that I was just totally exhausted. I'm still like, I'm still recovering and we got back on Monday. So, I mean, I feel like I'm still trying to catch up on sleep and stuff like that, but it was a fun show. I played quite a few games, checked out quite a few new video games, um, <clears throat> got to hang out with the Leader Games crew and have some awesome meals and check out Boston a little bit. I used to live in Rhode Island, so I'd seen it before, but there's always new stuff to see and do in Boston. Uh, so we had a blast. It was a really, really good time. Um, I got to pick up a few new things, not a ton of new things, but a few new things, and I was pretty happy to get those. It's always fun to get some stuff. I also grabbed a bunch of Keyforge decks just to fool around with with nice. uh, friends in the office, so that's always always fun. <laughs> I'm super pumped for that next expansion to come out sometime in like what is it next two months or something like that? Uh, in the near future, I don't. I actually don't keep up with it that much. I hadn't played much uh, after the first release, and then we were across from a vendor who was closing out, and I got a great deal on some decks, and I. Uh, I played, we played in the hotel, um, and we didn't have any markers or anything. Like, I mm -hmm. didn't have anything like that. So we just grabbed pieces of paper from the front desk, and we were just little, like, writing, like, one, <laughs> one damage and, like, ripping that piece of paper off and setting it on the thing. And we were playing on the beds because there was no table or anything. We had two games going on each bed, or a game going on each bed. And uh, it was, yeah, it reminded me of, like, old school, you know, magic or something like that, where you just get back and be like, oh, let's play these. I want to play it. I want to check it out. Ah, it doesn't matter if we have counters. Let's just use, you know, paper. It was <laughs> it was fun. It was And it was all four Leader Games crew uh, people. Uh, we, we had a blast. It was really a silly, silly evening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that M&Ms um, or Skittles work really well as counters, from what I've been told, if you're, like, on the move and that kind of thing. Yeah, I had a bag of M&Ms there, but I wasn't going to let anybody touch my M&Ms. Sorry, that was... Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm very defensive. Peanut butter M&Ms, that's my... Uh, that's my vice. I love peanut butter M&M's. Oh, dude, I'm all about anything that is a snack-based thing that involves peanut butter in it. And also, I wouldn't want to get, like, the chocolate or anything on my cards. Like, yeah, I'd just be I, too I concerned. Agree. I agree. I have played with Skittles before, and my hands felt a little sticky by the end of it, I will admit. I remember uh, going to PAX East last year. That was the first time I actually met uh, Pat uh, over at Letter Games. And um, I was working with ninth level games, Heather O'Neill and Chris O'Neill and Brian Neff, uh, Heather Wilson, all of them. 
Yeah, I saw all of them this weekend. They're uh, good friends of mine. I, I like them all. Uh, mm -hmm. And and yeah, Patrick was right there with us. Uh, same 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 booth as last year. So. <laughs> well, let's get into some of the uh, the. Yanaguanas game stuff. I keep like it feels like a tongue twister every time I go to say it. It is. We even we made our little pen, which is a uh, uh, an, uh, a yawning iguana, and so it's 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 the easy way to do it is put the word yawn and then the word iguana behind it. Uh, yawn iguana, <laughs> and then you've said it pretty much correctly. Yeah, yawn iguana. It's uh it's the native name for the San Antonio, Texas area where Andrew. And I uh, met uh, with Alex Clifford, the mm -hmm. uh, the co-founder, uh, and it's it's kind of like this this very cool story of just you know how the whole area was was thriving on this one little river um, of of like just water was such a sustainable you know a, a resource for this particular area that it was just like flowing through at all times. <clears throat> it was a very interesting story about how that area ended up being developed and. Uh, and, and what ended up being my home to hometown, like just a very, very cool history. So that's how we ended up with that name. Uh, and I feel like once you know the name, you're, you're in the club, right? Like once mm -hmm. you know how to say it right, you're in the club. So, it's, <laughs> so which of, uh, the two games that were released in 2015 came first? Was that shipload of gold or was that stir fry 18? So actually they were simultaneously released as our first two games at once um <laughs> at uh, pax south uh and it's 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 very very interesting how that came about we had just planned to do shipload of gold um which we did a very small print run of uh and it's a a game with 92 cards and 50 coins and you're you're playing a sort of left center right-esque pirate game where you're stealing from people and uh, influencing the weather to try and end up with the best coins. Um, it, it's, it is a fun little game, but there's definitely things that I would have done differently now, having been in the industry for, you know, six plus years. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, it was a, it was definitely something we had never, we, it was our experiment. Um, at the same time, we had a, um, sort of BGG challenge for an 18 card micro game. Uh, and okay. that was a, it's just sort of on a whim. I, I drew some, some little stir fry stuff. I was trying to learn how to make stir fry on my own at my house. I've since mm -hmm. given up. I'm terrible at it, but um, <laughs> I just order it out most of the time. Uh, but uh, I was trying at that point to learn how to make it at home. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I started drawing the stuff on a few pieces of paper and slipped them in some card sleeves. Um, and not too far off from what the game Stir Fry 18 is now uh, is what that little drawn version was. Um, we added the bluffing element at one point and it really turned the game into sort of a game uh, versus just a, you know gaining points to cook something. Uh, and it became a very, I mean, it was, it's been the best selling game for Yonaguana games for four years in a row. Um, mm -hmm. it's, you know, this little 18 card micro game. Uh, we went to PAX South the first time with Shipload of Gold and we sold about 50 copies of Shipload of Gold, which is good. It was a $20 card game. So that's, you know, a hard sell, especially when the, the coins were outside of the game and you had to just set them in a bag next to it. We were, again, we were amateurs at this point. Um, but, uh, Stir Fry 18 was 10 bucks and we sold out of it in the first weekend. Uh, of the entire first print run, and we—that was kind of a confirmation that we were doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, so they were both at the same time. We immediately went to reprint Stir Fry 18, um, and it's—it's it's been. I—I I think we're on the sixth reprint now. 
it, it we just continue to sell it as uh, as we print it, which is fun. Um, I've uh, that is it's it is an interesting little game, and it is not the one I would have expected would have taken off. But uh, it's got a nice little elegant style to it as well. Um, it, it just it looks clean. So yeah, well, an elegant sells these days, man. Like when you look at a lot of games that are super popular, there's a certain amount of like. How do I just jump into a game now, I think, where people aren't as inclined to dig through lots of like heavy, detailed rule books. And Stirfry uh, has that aesthetic. It has the, the quick sort of back and forth element to it that I think a lot of people value right now. Sure, it's it's really nice that we can just teach it right there in a booth and say, this is how you play. It doesn't take much um, to teach, you just kind of say, this. in five minutes, I can tell somebody how to play the entire game and then also get in that, hey, it's 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got to say, usually if I'm able to get through that whole thing, there's not many people that walk away without picking up a copy. And that's a really nice feeling um, when you're selling on your own. I don't get to do that as much anymore, but I know that Andrew and the folks that work at the Yonaguana booth um, at shows still have that same sort of quick pitch that goes into, you know, it's just it's very simple to talk about, and that that there's something to be said for that. I definitely agree. Um, at the same time, I work on you know games here at Leader that are <laughs> incredibly incredibly complex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, that have so many moving parts, but then have that same elegance. So I think that there's a way to do it um, for heavy games. There's a way to do it for light games, um, and I just like seeing you know products that are nice and and like tidy, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, sure. And don't get me wrong, I love myself a good, heavy, complex game here and there. I have oh, I know you the, <laughs> the vast miniatures sitting out here on my uh, printer, and I'm waiting with bated breath for uh, the Mysterious Manor to come out. Oh, it's going to be so good. You're going to love it. If you, liked, if you like the minis for uh, the, the Crystal Caverns, you're going to love the, the Mysterious Manor minis. They're, they're beautiful. They really are well, well done. Yeah, I just started learning how to paint minis, and I started working on the crystals, but I'm like, I don't want to get into, like, the goblins or anyone until I get better, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a fun hobby, but I know what you mean. I have a lot of those minis where I'm like, oh, I'm waiting until I have better skill. I think I just need to jump in and start on some. Um, I, I know what you mean, though. I have the same sort of, like, constant, like, I should just practice on these, like, crummy minis. I do have a bunch of those, too, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got um, I got a review copy of a game called uh, Madara a little while back, and I was already pretty excited about the game because it's like a Gloomhaven-sized box. But oh, just wow. the number of minis that come with it and the quality of minis, I've been having a lot of fun painting a few of those in my free time, what free time I have, but you know. Yeah, that's another problem with painting minis for me is that every time I think about it, it seems like if I want... If I want to paint minis, I need a good hour to two hour block to like sit down and get everything out and enjoy myself painting. And uh, I don't I don't find a lot of those uh, these days. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's get into uh, record. Um, I, I, I didn't really I've heard about this game in passing, but I didn't really look too deeply into it previously. And I got to say, this aesthetic is awesome. I really dig the look of it, the feel of it. Um, and I didn't realize, um, my buddy Doug Lewandowski, I guess, uh, helped out with a little bit of this in terms of the song cards, it looks like. That's correct. Doug is one of the backers who got to do his own, um, submitted song card and it's in the game. Um, I believe, uh, I, I, I believe it's, uh, T 
teach me Mr. Dougie or teach me Dr. Dougie, one of the two. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very, very, yeah, very, very well done. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of those in the game and that's a fun part of it, but it's, it's a pretty crunchy game. I'll, you know, there is a, um, it's, it's definitely got a Euro influence. Um, there is, you know, a victory point track that is, is fame. You know, you're trying to become the most famous guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, you use real guitar picks and they're custom double-sided guitar picks that play the guitar very well. As a matter of fact, they're real, they're, they're from a factory that makes professional guitar picks. So it took us a lot of time to get those right. Um, and we ended up spending quite a bit more on the picks than, than we projected, but it, it had to be done to make them awesome. And they are awesome now. Like I, I just got the first, uh, production proof actually yesterday at my house. Um, and everything looks great. There's a couple things we're having them change or iron out, I should say, um, that were just miscommunications. But other than that, everything is just amazing. I, I'm, I'm really thrilled with it. The picks, I mean, they have that like springy, you know, any, any name brand pick, it's, it's that same springy feel to it and stuff. But the game itself is a Euro game where like everyone is trying to actually fulfill real guitar chords on a fretboard. So the board is actually a neoprene playmat with a guitar fretboard and the first five frets. And you're trying to set guitar picks on the finger positions for real guitar chords. And when you fulfill those, you get to play that chord and lay that card down and you just keep those points. And it's really, it's, it's, there's a spatial element to it. There's a sort of, um, you know, vying for area control on certain frets aspect. Um, and, and it's, there's a lot of fun little bits in there too, like the song cards where they get their parodies of, of, of fun songs. So you just get to see new silly parodies. There's also four different set lists. So you can play with four different sets of chords and different sets of songs. It's, it's, there's a ton of replay value and it's a really deep game. I'm very proud of record. Uh, and it comes in a box that looks like an amplifier. So that is, <laughs> that is, like you said, the aesthetic is pretty awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. Definitely. And anything with a playmat included in the uh, initial game automatically has my attention. I don't I don't know what it is about playmats, but it, there's something reassuring about them to me where it's like, you know, this uh, publisher went the extra mile in terms of that production value of what you're getting out of the box. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I really dig what I'm seeing here. I'm going to have to I have to look into picking up a copy to be completely honest in a little bit. Oh, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can get one to you at some point too. I, uh, it's, I, it, it should be uh, finishing up printing in the next 20 days or so, as long oh, as wow. the adjustments don't take long. So then it goes on the boat, and then it'll be here, and everyone will have it shortly. I am so excited about that. That's um, phenomenal. I didn't realize yeah, it was yeah. that soon. Oh yeah, it's it, it has taken more time than we wanted it to as well, but we are really excited that it's about to be out. Um, so I, I could see a world where this this uh, summer everyone has their games. Um, that that is our tentative goal right now, as long as this print run um, finishes up in the next twenty days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this feels like the year of like some really strong releases coming out in the in the future. I mean, I'm a sucker for Roland rights and this for whatever reason has become the year of Roland rights so I'm already blessed with like uh 
all of the things, but sure. I love roll and rights too. I'm a big fan of them. I've actually, we've got one in the hopper called stir fry and roll. That is almost, it's pretty much a complete game. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun playing it. We just don't know when to release it or how to do it, or if we're going to kickstart it or just go back to our straight to production, you know, retail model or uh, we, we haven't decided yet. So that's, yeah. that's next, uh, in line after, uh, bloom. So, mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting kind of thing. Like I've seen uh, a lot of rule and rights that are being released this year go straight to like Thunderworks games. Uh, their cartographers, their rule and right is the first of their games that's not going to Kickstarter. It's going straight to retail, which I find to be odd. You know, like it's not a yeah. it's not a bad thing per se, but it's like I think rule and rights are a fantastic game, and I'd be happy to Kickstart it or release it. You know, regularly. Either way, I don't know. I think there's just kind of a stigma around that genre of, like, it's a lighter experience or something. Yeah, so, yeah, stir-fry and roll is a little crunchy. It's got um, some different moving parts. It's definitely got taken some inspiration from Gonshun Clever. But it doesn't use use numbers. Um, It uses these symbols from stir-fry, like the chicken and the pork and shrimp and noodles and such. And those Mm -hmm. are what are on the sides of the dice. There's only this one number dice that determines the the table that you should serve um, because they're the ones who are demanding the most right now. Uh, and, and it just, you kind of, there's a lot of little thinky puzzles involved with it, but um, we've been having a blast playing it so far. I played it a bunch at, at PAX East, and I had a few people that even said, like, this is, you know, this is something that... Um, it's like it it looks like it's going to be sort of just cute and light and it's really really kind of like a really puzzly game and i i was i was really happy to hear that um i like making things that are make you exercise your brain because that's the reason i tend to play games is, mm-hmm. is to, to, to work my brain out a little bit and so uh, i like hearing that people are are, are, are puzzled or having a, a puzzly time with something that we've worked on mm-hmm. yeah for sure and the moment the moment you said it was you know, like Gonshon Clever style gameplay, you had me hooked. Like yeah, within it's the been one of my favorite games of the past couple of years. Uh, Wolfgang uh, Wolfgang Warsh apparently knows how to tickle my funny bone because I really like a lot of what he's doing lately. Oh yeah, for sure. Quacks of Quedlinburg was fantastic as well. But sure. the mind within... I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, yeah, and both of the the Gonshon Clever and and Double is Clever, um, both are really fun. I actually prefer Doplet So Clever. Personally, currently I have insp- so I would say that that Surfer takes in for inspiration from both of those games because um, there's uh, Surfer and Roll. Uh, there's there's moments in it where um, I'm looking at something and there's this sort of crossing grid system, like is in Devil So Clever with the yellows, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we I definitely was inspired to do that there. Like it's and there's no. No qualms about it. I think it's. I think he's done two of the best roll and rights ever. That's why I just wanted to make something um, that was a little more abstracted, but had a theme on it, um, and, and didn't use numbers so heavily. So there's not so much math in in, in stir fry and roll. It's it's just about getting symbols together, um, and I think that makes it accessible to people who um, maybe find the numbers game a little bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think you know. Gonshan and Doplitso are games that definitely appeal to like the inner nerd where it's like look at all these numbers and these different like pathways and charts and all these different methods of scoring but I think that attaching that theme like you said 
makes it a lot more accessible to a wider audience. Yeah, yeah. So, and speaking of, of wider audience themes, uh, Bloom is is <laughs> is live on Kickstarter right now, and, and and seems to be having a nice steady run of it. You could certainly say that. Looking at the uh, the Kickstarter page in general, uh, I think you're like the fourth. Yeah, if you search board games in general, you're the fourth result that comes up. You're one of the projects that Kickstarter loves, which I've always found to be a really odd kind of like label. You know what I mean? Like Kickstarter, sure, yeah, the company, they, you know? Right, right. Kickstarter, they, they, they love everything, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think there's uh, certain project pages that maybe do things a little maybe differently or new or, or, or use the platform in a way that feels like it's genuine. Um, and maybe that's, that's part of what it is. I, I really can't speculate. Um, I, I think that the folks at Kickstarter are pretty amazing and they've given us a really good opportunity and we've built a good relationship with them as well. Um, <clears throat> throughout a number of different, you know, just years of being in the industry and meeting people and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I think that, that having good communication skills with people can often lead to, you know, little little tidbits like that, like projects mm. we love. Um, I also think that our our our, our banner just is, is beautiful, the one done by Steve O'Torres. Um, and sometimes I think just on that first visual um, peak, if their content folks see a banner that looks like it's going to draw eyes, uh, they, they say we love that. Um, and and I'd, I'd love to think that that's part of it. Um, yeah. it's, uh, Steve-O's artwork is really, really incredible. Um, the flowers that he did are have just an incredibly light touch, which you wouldn't expect from um, a guy from South Texas, you know. <laughs> so it's really, really well done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the art style is f fantastic. It really catches the eye just in terms of the color. The color is what really grabs me. But I think, again, what I'm most excited about is – the production quality of the board specifically that it's not perforated it's another word but like the divoted kind of sure, inlay the dual, uh, dual layered board uh where it has got you know inset spaces for the different pegs to go um, yeah and then it's also got you know insets on the market board with a 3d market board um so those those dual layer boards plus a dual layer board for the tiles to slide into um and and since it's made for six and up we, we find that helps kiddos be able to slide the tiles into the right spots um, mm -hmm. without, you know, much difficulty. Uh, and it doesn't, it's not, it's not as easy to just bump the table and maybe, you know, mess up your whole board. Uh, they're kind of locked in by those, those dual layer player boards. Yeah. Well, and I also really, now that you're talking about accessibility, I noticed that the different flowers have different designs surrounding them. So that way people who are colorblind can like identify the different types of flowers when creating those. Yeah, absolutely. That was actually that's something accessibility is very important to us, and it's part of what the uh, uh, one of the things that we're getting ready to to try and do uh, is find a way to make the cylinders also have a similar aspect um, where they can be um, you know seen and identified regardless of color. Uh, you know, and, and if if we can make color not a necessity, we like to for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about like the game mechanics in general because I really dig the the tile laying, but what really caught my attention was the the economy manipulation. I guess is the word for it. Yeah, yeah, and we're still tinkering with this. Actually, we just decided that we wanted to make 
the uh, economic game a little bit more um, versatile and volatile. Um, mm-hmm. it, and so it, it, it was, um, it's something that we we continue to develop as, as the campaign's going and we get feedback from friends and folks on the campaign. Um, but essentially what you're doing is you're going to build uh, uh, your garden um, and you're going you're gonna to take from uh, these tile stacks that are there um, and as you build your garden, if you put, you know, four of the same flower corners together and they match up to make one, you know, blue flower, you have the option to either, you know, add a blue flower to your garden uh, and your sort of your greenhouse stock, or you can affect the flower market. And that means the prices of the different um, flowers. Um, and, and there's sort of a leapfrogging uh, mechanism that works in the, the market to where if if the red flower is worth, you know, let's say uh, one, mm-hmm. and, and I place my next one on the next one space, um, and, and somebody moves one up, it's going to leapfrog to the next available space. Um, alternatively, if someone moves something down, it's going to leapfrog down to the next available space. So you might have a, uh, a red flower set that's worth three, and somebody moves it down, and now it's worth negative one. Um, so there's uh, a pretty viable market action that you can take, but you get to take one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some bonus spots where the watering can is that you get to do both actions. Um, there's also hybrid flowers that are a mix of two types of flower. Uh, okay. And when you do those, you get to take both flowers. So um, as you lay the tile, there's this sort of puzzle that you're playing where you're watching what the market value is and you're trying to do both hybrid flowers and regular flowers. Um, and it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to get all the flowers that you should get even in the first turn, which is only four flowers you're building, but it's nine tiles. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, after you do your first round, you're going to prune some of those tiles away based on how many hybrids you have. Uh, Pruning them away just means taking them off the board and setting them them out of the game until uh, you need to reshuffle tiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you're going to fill out the four by four grid. Uh, when you finish that one, you'll prune. Uh, and right before, you, or right as you prune each tile, you're also going to do a scoring round based on the market. So you'll have a, a score that uh, over three three rounds, you'll score three times, and you'll sort of have an idea of how well people are doing. Uh, and then you'll know, well, he's got a bunch of red flowers. I'm moving those down to negative two. <laughs> so, uh, and and that's that's pretty much how it goes until you fill out the five by five, and then you score for the last time, and the game ends. Well, and I think that the fact that you guys included a negative one and negative two spot on the board just really, uh, I'm knowing me and my friends, we're just going to be huddled down in the negatives and sure, see we love who those can... games. Absolutely, <laughs> you're going to crash the market. That happens. That's fine. Uh, it's it's a it's a race to the bottom at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fun the fun thing is is someone will take advantage of it at the right time and zoom to the top. Uh, and even if their 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 five blue flowers are, are are only worth one, it was enough to edge out the rest of you uh, mm-hmm. and have a higher negative score than the rest of you. And so I guess at that point, if if that came up, you'd be losing better, right? That's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I see that um, in terms of the stretch goals or cultivation quests, uh, as they're labeled here, um, there's a lot of focus on like the social media angle. Uh, why don't you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we definitely want folks to share uh, the campaign on Facebook. It seems mm-hmm. to be that you know that's a, where a lot of 
our sort of uh, crowd resides. Um, and so just sharing is, is one that's nice where we can upgrade the inside of the box a little bit. Um, and then there's another one where we want people to actually draw flowers uh, and share them on Instagram um, with a hashtag bloom game. Uh, and the reason for that is I just wanted to give people an opportunity to express their creative, you know, outlets. And there's been some really clever ones. I think there's five or so on there now. Um, okay. It's it's interesting. I You know, out of 400 plus people, you'd think more people would go on and draw. But I think people are shy about drawing. So I'm, I'm learning things in the campaign uh, as well. Uh, I, I think we'll see a few more pop up now that we've got a few that are there, but uh, it's a fun thing to go out and see these really, really, there's some really adorable drawings that are, are on the, you know, the Bloom Game hashtag, and it's it's pretty incredible to see those. Um, so that helps visibility for the campaign, and people see it, and that's, you know, I think just seeing this game, you might be interested based on how beautiful the artwork looks. Yeah. Um, and then we've got some of your more traditional, you know, once we get to a certain amount, we can add... Uh, variants like solo um, and there's there's some other fun stuff we've got in the tank uh, upgrades to the actual components and things like that themselves um, you know I was talking about those meeple shapes that's definitely one of the things we want to try and get figured out so mm -hmm. we've got a little bit more we're doing and we're like I said we're still developing some fun stuff um, including that solo and maybe maybe even adding some more people to the table yeah yeah, you guys have almost reached the solo mode at this point, so I'm excited to see what that entails. Yeah, we're only a few hundred away from it, so it uh, it seems like it's going to be fun. So. Yeah, I've definitely gotten a lot more into the solo gaming over the last month or so, again, thanks to Roland Wright's, um, whether it be Gonshan on my phone or something like Fleet the Dice Game. I don't know. There. I, there's something about being able to build a thing that I think makes solo a lot more appealing. No, I, yeah, I totally understand and agree. I think um, visual progress in a solo game is, is huge. Uh, being able to see that you've done a thing is, is really big. And I, I think people will love the solo aspect of Bloom uh, is that it's very puzzly uh, and that market manipulation is still there and it's still um, very much part of the game. So um, you, you get a, a real taste of it, but it's also got its own unique puzzle aspect where you get a little bit more agency over the, the garden, but you get a little bit less agency over the market. Mm -hmm. So how did um, how did you and Steve-O end up talking about bringing uh, this game to Yanaguana? Because I see he's not uh, on the website as one of the, the core members of the crew, if I understand correctly. Yes? Yeah, so Steve-O is um, a designer, graphic designer, um, game designer, graphic designer, artist, as you can see. Mm -hmm. um, and he was showing his prototypes at PAX uh, South last year. Um, and we saw Steve-O and we, we played a couple of his games and we liked um, a couple of them. This one, to me, struck me as, as the most compelling. Um, so I asked him if he would um, play it with us a couple times and talk about some themes. Um, eventually, we decided to um, take the game on as a company, as a publisher, uh, as our first outside publishing uh, deal for the most part. Um, we had a couple other things in the hopper at that point, but this was the first one that we'd uh, signed that has come to fruition and is at Kickstarter. So uh, it's it's been quite an experience to see that sort of grow and flourish. But yeah, it seems like Pack South is a big jumping off point for us, and it seems like one of those places we'll generally be for a long period of time going forward based on 
the fact that we're very successful there for a number of reasons. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. So why the blue bonnet? Why is that your favorite flower? So I was raised in San Antonio, Texas. Um, okay. And the blue bonnet is the state flower of Texas. Uh, but it's also sort of this thing that my family and I, when you're driving on like the highways in Texas, on the sides of the highways, they will just fill with blue bonnets um, at a certain point during the spring. Um, and it was always just a nice moment to be able to like my entire family would enjoy like, oh, look, there's the blue bonnets. They're out like it's the, it's that time. Um, and so they're there for me. Uh, not only just a really, really beautiful flower, I mean, the blue and the white mixed together is really, really incredibly beautiful, especially when you see them in mass. Um, but they're a, like, a nice passage of time reminder. Um, re- you know, some passage of time reminders are morbid and dark. Uh, blue bonnets are, are, are a happy springtime, sort of a nice passage of time reminder for me. Uh, so, and now that I live up north, I don't get to see them. They're, they're not, uh, they're just not there. So I think that also lends itself to them being a favorite thing because I miss them, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I get that a hundred percent. All right. Uh, so we've looked at the past, the present, and a little bit into the future of Yanaguana games. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or add today? No, I think, you know, I think we touched on all of it. I appreciate you having me on. This is, uh, uh, a fun, fun time to be involved in so many different crazy fun products. So it's, um, I, I look forward to getting to make more stuff. That is what I enjoy. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, like, I reached out to you initially because I see Yanaguana Games as one of those companies that I really believe in. You know, the market's so crowded these days and there's so many different uh, companies trying to get their foot in the door. But I think you guys are doing something really special with your company, and I'm excited to see what more comes from it. Well, we appreciate that, and hopefully we can uh, live up to the expectation. All right, folks, thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Luke. And this is uh, Marshall on the other side. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm Marshall Britt. Thanks. (laughs) It's all good. All right, uh, then we'll see you next time. Bye.